Bible's with you and you want to turn there, let me take some scripture out of the gospel according to Luke in chapter 11. And we'll start reading at uh, around verse 1. And, uh, you know, when I, when I read this particular set of scripture, and it, it's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, uh, that I can't stress enough as, as a minister, uh, as a Christian now for a little over 20 years, I can tell you that your prayer life is of vital importance uh, in your relationship to the Lord uh, that if you don't find yourself praying, that's usually the symptom of a bigger problem. Uh, you know, that uh, the way I think about it is that uh, if you have an issue with somebody or you're hiding out from somebody, you're not going to be calling them on the phone. You're not going to be seeking them out. You'll kind of hide out from them. And a lot of times that's the way we do when our prayer life begins to diminish or something oh, yeah. like that. And then a lot of times we'll find ourselves where the only time we call upon the Lord's when we need something. We're not talking to Him because we just want to see if He needs anything from us or that we want to worship or that we want to uh, uh, be ministered to by Him. And I can tell you a lot of times that uh, when we get down and pray, the thing that we have to be real careful about is that it's not the same prayer the same way every single time. Because if that's the case, that would be no different than me. Every time I get up behind this pulpit, I say the exact same thing every time. That I imagine that at a certain point, people would say, I've already heard his one sermon a hundred times. And I don't need to hear it again. It's repetition. And that's all that it is. And Jesus even warned that when we pray, he said, don't be as the heathen where that you babble on and you think because that you chant and do crazy things. Uh, that you're going to be heard for much speaking, but rather speak to God uh, like you're speaking to another person, knowing uh, that He's the sovereign God of heaven and earth. Uh, and so when the disciples ask Him this question here, this uh, so-called Lord's Prayer, it's really more the disciples' prayer, uh, that He gives them the formula uh, to be able to use it and essentially take it and run with it. That, you know, we know that when somebody gives us a template to use, that doesn't mean that that's the only way to do it. Uh, and, and I've heard people a lot of times say, well, you ain't praying if you're not on your knees. I can tell you, you can pray on your feet, laying on your face, uh, laying flat on your back in a hospital bed, uh, uh, laying in a car seat, mangled in a car wreck. Uh, if you need to, uh, in order to get a hold of the Lord, you don't have to have your eyes shut, uh, but I recommend it. Uh, but what I do recommend more than anything else is establishing and keeping a good strong prayer life you have to have that prayer life in order to have a covenant relationship with the Lord and you'll notice now we'll start reading at Luke uh, chapter 11 verse 1 uh, on down through verse 4 and it says and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased one of his disciples said unto him Lord Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. In verse 2, And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as earth, or as in heaven, so in earth. Verse 3, Give us day by day our daily bread. Verse 4, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from evil. Uh, and you notice that the way that he starts out is he acknowledges the sovereignty of the Most High God. Uh, Our Father which art in heaven, uh, and hallowed be thy name. Uh, know it. Uh, uh, and I think it's important for the modern day Christian uh, that if you're praying, especially uh, if somebody hears you, that you make sure they know uh, that you're praying to Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, uh, of Isaac and Jacob. Uh, and most importantly, uh, in the gospel according to John, Jesus told him, uh, whatsoever you ask uh, in my name, uh, uh, that I will go to the Father uh, on your behalf. Uh, because if we come to the Father uh, in and of our own ability, uh, uh, that's the wrong way to go. Uh, we're liable to get a busy signal. Uh, we can't get through uh, uh, because we don't get to the Father without Jesus Christ. That's why that I uh, know that it's important to end every prayer with in Jesus' name. Number one, uh, uh, that removes any doubt as to who we're praying to. You talk about God and people will say, well, that could be anybody. Uh, But when you say in in Jesus' name, uh, your son Jesus, uh, people around will hear, no, uh, he's talking to Jehovah God. Uh, He's talking to the Christian God. Uh, uh, And when you do this uh, and you acknowledge the sovereignty of God, uh, uh, when we approach the throne, we're told to approach boldly. Not to approach timidly or anything like that. Now, not with arrogance. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not in an arrogant standpoint, but it's coming boldly to our Heavenly Father. And I can tell you that my kids, uh, during their uh, childhood, they'd come to me and they'd ask for uh, uh, things that would surprise me. And they would do so boldly uh, and not timidly. And I'd have to look at them and say, they ain't no way. I can't do that. I don't have the money for that or whatever that it may be. But the good news is when we approach our Heavenly Father and we ask, even if we ask amiss, uh, uh, sometimes He's just saying, no, that's not what's best for you. Sometimes He says, you ain't ready for that yet. You're going to have to wait a while. And then sometimes it's really surprising when he just says, yes, absolutely, answers it before you even ask, Uh, sends help before you knew you were in trouble, Uh, and that's the God that we serve. Uh, And you'll notice that Jesus said that, uh, and he says, thy kingdom come, uh, thy will be done, uh, so in heaven as in or so in earth. And what he's saying is, God, we want your will to happen down here in this world, uh, just like we know it happens in heaven. And you see the thing, and I've thought a lot about that particular part of that particular verse when he says, We want your will to be done here on earth just like it is in heaven. The difference between heaven and earth uh, is that God's dominion reigns supreme in heaven, uh, but he's gifted man with free will to where that we can choose to serve him or not. Right. And I've had to tell that to some young people in recent days. uh, uh, Young Christians who seem like they misunderstand. uh, And they'll begin to say, well, and and they'll look at sinners uh, with nothing but condemnation. uh, And I'll tell them, look, it's not all about condemnation. It's about drawing them, but they have free will. And if they want to choose to reject God, that's their God-given right. And it's their God-given right to choose, but it's not their God-given right to, to choose the consequences of their actions. 
And that's the problem for a lot of people uh, is we want to uh, uh, make choices without suffering the consequences. Uh, but here, uh, what, the, what Jesus is telling us, He's saying, look, uh, uh, whatever you pray, and I've thought about this a lot, uh, you pray for a loved one that's lost, uh, you better be ready to see them go through some stuff uh, uh, because they may have to get real comfortable in this, uh, real uncomfortable in this world uh, before that they'll come to the Lord. Uh, every time that I pray for a loved one uh, uh, that's lost and I know needs Christ, uh, I always say, Lord, uh, uh, make them uncomfortable. Uh, uh, make them to where uh, that they've had their fill of this oh, world. Yeah. Because I think about the, the prodigal son. When he came back to his father, oh, yeah. I doubt he ever wanted to leave again. I'd say that he looked around and said, I got my belly full of out there with riotous living and all of those things and it left me with the hogs and coveting what they had. And I went back to my father's house and he was gracious enough to take me back in and receive me back, not as a servant, but as a son. And I can tell you that when we pray for somebody, we better be ready that they might have to suffer in order to get to Christ. And we want God's will down here in this world, but now I can tell you sometimes God's will ain't exactly for us to be comfortable. Sometimes when we pray for God's will in our own life, He may say, you're comfortable here? Well, the thing is, I need you over here. I think about Philip when the Lord called him and he began a long run, run up beside of a chariot with that Ethiopian eunuch in it. And then after he was done with him, he wasn't even hardly dried from the baptism and he was called away and went down the road. Now that wasn't comfortable and that wasn't easy, but he was wanting God's will to be done in this world. Now a lot of times we can look around and say, oh yeah, I want the Lord's will for everybody else but not me. Maybe maybe we'll say that kind of in the back of our mind. But really what we should be saying is, God, whatever you need from me, whenever you need it from me, wherever you need it from me, God, that's where I'm going to go. And I'm going to work until you tell me to quit. I think about that a lot, uh, how that it is when we get down and pray. Uh, uh, that I, I believe it was Adrian Rogers I heard say one time, and it really struck a chord with me, is he said, when you pray, be willing to put legs on it. Oh, yeah. And I remember when he said that, I thought, wait, what? what? Wait a minute. Put legs on it? Well, what it means is if you're praying for somebody who needs help, are you willing to be the one that goes and helps them? And of course, James talks about that. He says, rather than praying to somebody and saying, be ye filled, he said, feed them. When they have need, help them. And a lot of times when we pray for God's will, we need to be willing for God to say, I want you to go. It would be no different than us uh, uh, saying, well, uh, I have the means and I have the ability to help somebody, uh, uh, but I don't want to step on God's toes. I'll let God get this. Well, yes, God does work in mysterious ways. But He also works in obvious ones sometimes too. He'll send His people and He's got people all over the place. And so when we say that we want God's will to take place in this world, we better be sure that we know what that means and we know what that entails and to not pray it half-heartedly or willy-nilly, but rather to say, God, I'm committed. Whatever you want, That's what I'll do. And I can tell you, and now he'll tell you. And you might look around and say, well, you want me to what? You know, I think about Hosea. In the Old Testament, Hosea 
Looked around and God told him, you're going to go and marry essentially a prostitute. And I imagine Hosea, what? what? Why would you have me do that? But it was symbolic of how Israel was with God. Constantly stepping out on Him. Constantly going after other gods. And He said in Hosea, bring her back. Come and get her. Pay the price for her. And that was pointing forward to what Jesus did for us. He paid a price for us that we couldn't hope to pay. And so when Jesus is saying this, he put it to work in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because he, he, you remember, he got down and he prayed and he said, God, if there's any way, oh, yes. I don't want to go to that old painful cross. I don't want to have my beard yanked out by the hands full, be crowned with thorns, be beaten with a cat of nine tails, hanged on a cross, my bones out of joint, essentially drowned in my own bodily fluid, be covered in the sin of mankind. But he said, but not my will but thine. He turned it over to God. He put it to work what He's saying here. That God, I want Your will to be done down here on earth just like that it is in heaven. And then you'll notice verse 3, it says, Give us day by day our daily bread. And I've thought about that a lot. You know, there's a lot of devotionals. I know there's one very popular one called Daily Bread. And it's a daily devotional that you do. And I highly recommend a daily devotional coupled with prayer. Uh, uh, that I believe it's in the 18th chapter of this same book that Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not faint. Amen. And I can tell you this now, if you go a long time without eating, you'll faint. Oh, yeah. As my dad would say, you'll lark the earth. Yeah. You'll go, and I've done it before. Done the tough guy thing. Gone without food for a long time. And I can tell you, I'd be seeing black right before that I hit the ground. And when, when Jesus says this, and it's its own verse, you know, it's not coupled with anything else. Give us day by day our daily bread. That essentially what He's saying is He's saying, Lord, nourish us daily. Lord, we count on You. And it points back to a spiritual manna. Because you remember Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, now look, your forefathers, they ate the manna, and they're dead. He said, but I am the bread of God which cometh down from heaven, and if you eat of me, you'll never die. And so he asked for that daily, that daily encouragement, that daily help, that nourishment to be able to take the next step, to fight the next fight, to go on and continue on even when it's not easy. That daily bread. And I can tell you that's why I recommend prayer first thing in the morning. First thing, because I can tell you, you might not get to eat again that day and you need sustenance for that day. And you may say, what about tomorrow, Brother Jeremiah? Well, tomorrow you trust the Lord for that too. Just like that manna. God said, don't store it up. Every day it'll be there. The only time you get it extra is before the Sabbath. And so you'll have it on the Sabbath. But the rest of the time, it'll be there daily. And he wanted them to have faith in him that every day that they come out, that manna would be there. And it was until that he gave them plenty of notice when the manna stopped. There in the book of Joshua, it was clear when the manna would stop and they were ready for it. God didn't take them by surprise. But I can tell you this, God's not going to quit giving us our daily bread if we quit seeking it. He will give it to us. And provide it for us. And all we have to do is trust Him for it. And now you'll notice in verse 4, 
It says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. There's a lot to unpack in just that part of that Scripture. Oh, yes. Because what he's saying is, God forgive us like we forgive others. Oh, yeah. I believe Matthew records it in that manner. There are some subtle differences between the way Matthew and Luke recorded it. But essentially what it's saying is, forgive me like I forgive others. Now you think about what dangerous territory that is oh, yeah. when you're asking for that, especially if you're a grudge holder. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're the kind of person that doesn't forgive easily Well, then, is God going to forgive you like you forgive others? But it also encourages then the person who's doing the praying to be more forgiving. And I can tell you, it's hard to pray and pray in sincerity and pray that fervent, effectual prayer or effectual, fervent prayer when you have unforgiveness. When you're mad at somebody. When you've got a clenched clenched fist and gritted teeth uh, and you're upset with somebody and you get down and pray. It's difficult to do. But when you say, God, I've got a hold of this and I can't turn it loose. And God, I need you to take it from me. I need you to give me, lend me, provide me with the grace to forgive this person that I don't want to forgive. Because I think the most important thing, or should I say the most difficult thing in forgiveness is when you're forgiving somebody and you didn't do anything wrong. That they did all the wrong. And they ain't even sorry. But I can tell you what. Jesus Christ hanging there on the cross. He said forgive them father. For they know not what they do. That they weren't sorry they drove the nails through his hands. They weren't sorry that they beat him up like that. And yet Jesus was asking for their forgiveness. A demonstration of how we should be with others. And if you don't think that's hard doctrine. God bless you. Because I know it's difficult. I know I've been there lots of times when somebody hurts you and you may say, oh no, I'm pretty forgiving. I'm hard to make mad. Me too, right up until somebody does something to one of my kids. Then all of a sudden, it's awful hard for me to forgive. And I can tell you this though, the Lord's enabled me to do that too. Giving me the grace. Or like as a kid, and I can tell you, and I've said this a lot and heard it said a lot, a kid... Always remembers who was mean to them when they were a kid. And I had people that was mean to me when I was a kid. And I remembered it. And I held it against them for a long time. uh, Until I was reading this scripture one day. uh, And the Lord brought a certain person right up in front of me. uh, That I had a grudge against. Because they weren't kind to me when I was a kid. uh, And I asked God for the grace uh, to forgive them. And to turn loose of that. And He did. And I believe that I got forgiven for that because what we need is forgiveness and you'll notice that part of this daily prayer is asking for God to forgive us of our sins you know what that is that is us acknowledging that we fall short every single day not just occasionally we couldn't pick the best day that we've ever lived to be graded on and make it to heaven And so when we acknowledge that, we know, number one, we need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. uh, uh, That everything hangs on Him. Uh, That's why when we come to the Father, we do it in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, That's why we need forgiveness and we're applying the blood. Well, I can tell you this, that uh, 
like the like yesterday, I was down there at mom's and I was working around her house and everything. And I seen you know that house now is coming up on I guess about thirty years old. And I remember, man, dad built it and he built it good, built it solid. It's a well built house. And you would think, well, we don't ever have to do anything to it. No, a fool would think that because it has to be maintained. Yes, it does. Paint has to be reapplied to certain areas. Certain areas have to be cleaned. Certain areas just wear out. That happens. And it has to be maintained. And that's our relationship with the Lord. It has to be maintained on our end. And really all we have to do is kind of like that He bought the paint and the brushes. And then He's going to do the paint. And all we have to do is just ask Him. Ask Him, I need more. I need another coat, Lord. I need this put on uh, uh, so that we don't uh, allow sin to begin to become worse and wax worse and wax worse in our lives. Because regardless, you know, there's, there's beliefs out there that contradict each other when it comes to uh, uh, forgiveness, you know, the eternal security or once in grace, always in grace, and uh, the doctrine of being able to backslide. And I can tell you this, uh, that the, the, despite what a person may land on, uh, I can tell you that uh, a lot of times if you let sin creep into your life and you do believe in eternal security, that you're going to live a very defeated life. And then the worst case scenario is you're going to backslide oh, yeah. and you're going to mess around, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. Right. And you're going to be one of the ones that stand before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, yeah. didn't we do many mighty wonderful works in your name and didn't we cast out? And you're going to list your list off and he's going to say, I never knew you. Right. Depart right. from me. And I can tell you it requires maintenance. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. Yeah. Lord, forgive us like we forgive other people. And then notice the last part of verse 4. It says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, the Lord... And and this is an unsound doctrine that's gone around a lot, and I've heard it a lot. A lot of people say, and I've even said this, and I realized it's an error. We say, the Lord won't put more on you than what you can bear. That's not scriptural. That's not sound doctrine. What it says is, the Lord will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can bear. And who knows you better than He does? Considering He knows every single hair on your head. He knows every cell that makes you, you. So He knows how far you can be tempted. We might not. We might surprise ourselves. But I can tell you this, when you ask Him, Lord, lead me aright. Essentially, uh, what you're saying is, Jesus, take the wheel. All right, you you do the job. I can't. I don't know how. I, I I just don't have it. Lord, I'll follow you. And I can tell you what. Now, any trouble that you land in following him, he'll get you out of. Oh yeah. But now you land yourself in trouble because you go off on your own. He'll still get you out of it, but there'll be a price to be paid. And I think about this anytime I think about uh, uh, this particular set of scripture of how that the disciples wound up uh, in a boat during the storm at sea. It was Jesus' idea to go out there. They were following Him and He delivered them. Now their faith was tested. They realized they couldn't rely on their own strength. 
And they knew that they had to rely on Him. And so, yes, the Lord will put more on you than what you can bear so that you might turn to Him. Just like the disciples. They bailed the water out of that boat. They steered it. They did everything they could to keep the boat from sinking. And they looked around and their arms were like noodles and they couldn't go on. And then they turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? And then Jesus asked them, where is your faith? Yes. And you'll notice that all of this scripture is about putting your faith and trust in the Most High God and most importantly in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's quite plain that what He says here, deliver us from evil. Jesus is the only one. His blood is the only thing that can deliver us from evil. Because you'll notice when He referred to forgiving people, He said, also forgive everyone as we also forgive everyone that is indebted. To us, sin builds up debt before God. And it's very apt what the Apostle Paul put in Romans there when he said the wages of sin is death. It's a wage. You earn it. You earn your way into hell. You know, for a long time, I'd never really thought about it that way. But Paul, he said, no, you you earn your way into hell. You work your way there. But at the same token, then he turns right around and says, but the gift of God is eternal life. Meaning that you don't earn your way there, it's given to you. All you have to do is ask. It's yours for the asking and you'll get it. A lot of people think, well, that sounds too good to be true. Well, in this case, it's not. It's so good and it's so true. That all of this prayer, what it is about, uh, you know, if, if you prayed this particular prayer, it's not a bad thing, but I can tell you, you're selling yourself short. Because you need to commune with God. And there's been lots of times. uh, And my prayer life, if you're not careful, if you have a regular prayer life, if you're not careful, it'll become formulaic to where that you know you're going to say this, 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 and this. You're going to pray for that when you have your list and all of this. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But if God starts speaking to you, don't talk over Him. Sometimes God will have to say, hey, hush, and let me talk now. And then when you listen to Him, He'll dump the blessings over you. He'll minister to you. He'll show you some new stuff. Uh, He'll lead you. He'll bring stuff to your remembrance uh, uh, that you didn't even think resided in that noggin. Uh, And He'll pour you out uh, and fill you up with something better. Uh, And He'll do these things in our prayer life. Uh, I can tell you, He's not going to force it on us. But if we get down uh, and we pray, and sometimes we might just be like that publican that Jesus talked about where he said all he could do was just beat on his own chest oh, and say, yeah. God, be merciful to yeah. a sinner like me. And that's all he could say. And yet it said he went home justified. Yeah, he didn't come before God and say, God, look how good I am. Look at all the things that I can do. But rather he just said, God, I need the mercy that I know you have. And it's the same as when we repent. Uh, when we come before God and we repent, uh, uh, whether it's the first time or the hundred and first time, uh, and we say, God, I need your forgiveness. Uh, I have no excuse. Uh, I can't make up a reason for this other uh, than I'm a wretched sinner and I need more of your son's blood applied in my life. And then the amazing thing is the devil will be right there and say, nope, nope, you can't do it. You've gone too far. 
And that's when you need to look around and say, nope, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And then trust in it. Believe in it. Believe the promise that's in this book. And how easy that that is, and yet simultaneously, how difficult it is to put in practice. And a lot of times it is. That this prayer... While I, I, I wouldn't recommend praying it always, I will say this, it's a good place to start. Yes. And it's a good template. And if you don't know what to pray, a prayer of thanksgiving is always a good idea. Amen. And I think about every year during this month, people suddenly become super thankful. What about the rest of the year? It's the same as becoming super religious on Sunday. Okay, let's be super religious every day. Let's be thankful every month. 365, uh, that every day we're thankful to God because if we sit down and count up what we have that money can't buy and death can't take away, then we'll figure out how rich we truly are. And I can tell you, there's only one thing in this world that you can take with you when you leave it. And that's your loved ones. If you can get them to Christ and they can get saved, they'll go right along with you. Everything else, it's going to burn. It's going to melt. It ain't going to last. But your loved ones and and, and the ones that you win in Christ, the ones that you help lead to the Lord, you'll see them in heaven. And they're more precious than gold or diamonds or anything else. And I can tell you this, you don't win souls without a healthy prayer life. You don't come to a greater understanding of the Word of God without a healthy prayer life. You don't find yourself with a zeal for coming out to the house of the Lord without a healthy prayer life. You can't. It's quite impossible. You can limp along. You can get along well enough, I guess, but with a healthy prayer life, it will make everything else better too. That's not to say to have only a healthy prayer life and to not go to church or to have only a healthy prayer life and never read the Bible. If you come to church, you read your Bible, you have a healthy prayer life, I can tell you, you've got some strong pillars right there for your salvation and your relationship to the Lord. But I can tell you tonight that if you trust in these Scriptures and you trust in the Word of God, it won't lead you wrong. Right. And you'll, you'll read stuff and say, I don't understand that. I, I'll be perfectly honest with you. There's a frighteningly large amount of this book that I still don't feel like I have a good oh, yeah. handle on. And yet I'll be down praying. Maybe praying for one of you all or one of my loved ones or something like that. And then the Lord will say, oh yeah, and here's what that means. Oh. <laughs> and I, I, I marvel at it. Even though I've preached, God will give you understanding. The Holy Spirit, He'll come and minister to you. But a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, He's still able to surprise us. Oh, yes. Uh, Years ago, my my aunt, her dad was, uh, and you all may know him, Charles Robertson. Had the tire shop out there in Fort Gay. And I worked out of their basement at that time. The home office was there. and uh, She came downstairs and asked me to pray with her because Charles, uh, something had happened in the tire shop and he broke his arm. She was worried to death, wringing her hands, and I was worried about him too. He was, you know, pretty far up in years even then. And uh, we had prayer right there for him, and I really felt the, the Holy Spirit move. And I took him over to Three Rivers Medical Center. She called me from over there, chuckling. 
And she said, well, he's there joking around with the nurses and just acting like ain't nothing wrong with him. She said, I was worried a man at his age getting a broke arm like that and said he's acting like he's fine and everything. And she said, and then I guess I'm just surprised how quickly and how readily the Lord answered our prayers. And I took a big lesson from that. That a lot of times when we ask of God, it's almost like we don't hardly believe He'll do it. And you know, maybe it's because we're like, uh, I'm not worthy. I wasn't worthy of salvation either. And yet He did that. We need to come before the Lord expecting, asking, seeking, and knocking, knowing and confident that He's well able to deliver. He's well able to provide. He's well able to do anything that we need of Him. Not only to give us what we need, but also a fair portion of what we want. To bless us with more than just the basic needs. And I think... I think all of us here tonight come here with all of our basic needs met and then some. And what a blessing that is. Like that song, I am blessed says, I've got shoes on my feet, roof over my head. (laughs) I've got food to eat. What? I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. The person that wrote that song, I'd say they got it. They understood what it was to be blessed. And it might not be every little thing that you want, but it's a whole lot of it. And it's only the stuff that God deems good for us and He knows better than we do. And I hope that the Lord has blessed you with this sermon. I pray that He's worked on your heart.